0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens.
2: Happy Saturday, pet lovers. So happy that you could join us today. And you are not going to be sorry that you tuned in today because today is all about puppies. Now you may not know this, but Tuesday is National Puppy Day. Can you believe it? There's actually a day to celebrate puppies. It's true. And you can go to nationalpuppyday.com and learn more about it. But Puppy Day was founded by Colleen Page, and she's founded a bunch of uh, important pet days. But it was a special day to help celebrate that magic, unconditional love that puppies bring into our lives. But more importantly, it's a day to help save all the orphaned puppies across the globe and to educate the public about the absolute horrors of puppy mills. Now, we're not going to get into puppy mills. It's a really sad topic. It's not something we're going to talk about today. But I will say that you should absolutely avoid buying a puppy that comes from a puppy mill. And let me just say that here on Pet Lover Geek, we encourage you to make your first stop at a local shelter and local rescues when you're looking to adopt a new dog or even a puppy because there are tons of them there. And if you're looking to get a specific breed, look at first at a rescue and a shelter because you'd be amazed how many purebreds are actually there, even puppies. But if you can't find that breed at a local shelter or rescue, please make sure that you do your due diligence and work to find and purchase a dog from a reputable certified dog breeder. Now, let's say that getting a new puppy is on your to-do list, or maybe, I don't know, you're just thinking about getting a pet and you're considering getting a dog, or maybe The puppy's already there in your house and she's chewing on your Tom's shoes as you listen to this show. Well, we've got three experts on the line today who are going to help set up your puppy for success. And first up is Diane Rose Solomon. She's a certified humane education specialist and she's also the author of several wonderful books for children and a brand new nonfiction book, What to Expect When Adopting a Dog. Perfect for today's show. Welcome, Diane.
3: Thank you so much, Lorian.
2: Now, I'm really excited to get to talk to you because you are a person who not only helps educate people about how to deal with our pets and take care of our pets, but you just know so much about how to raise them. So let's start talking first about why we love puppies so much. It feels so good to be around them because it's science. So tell our listeners something about the scientific link between pet ownership and our health and well-being.
3: Well, I think that for the longest time... Before there was science, we just had that heart-based thing going on where we just loved being with them. And then the science came in, and there's actually an organization called HABRI, um, the Human-Animal Bond Research Initiative. And when I met them a couple years ago, I was just kind of blown away by the research. And I think everybody had started hearing little bits and pieces like, petting a, a pet you know, will help lower your blood pressure or something like that, and all around good health benefits. But when I started hearing about how they help therapy for people in therapeutic situations, people who have had heart attacks, people who have cancer, people who have PTSD, it's just life-changing and there there's so many studies that they're doing now that are showing all the benefits that dogs in general and puppies have on us and it's just beautiful and remarkable so it's heart and science now
2: Yeah. And and there is, I'm sorry, there is no antidepressant better than some puppies. It just makes you feel better. And I know that some colleges are actually having rooms where they can, people can go in and, you know, play with rescue dogs and puppies in order to help them with stress and things like that. So it is, it's science. It's
3: great. And not not just colleges. My son's um, middle school and high school brings in dogs during um, test time.
2: Oh, that's perfect. That's awesome. Brilliant. exactly oh, and, and we see them all the time after big natural disasters or, or after emergency situations mm-hmm. where there's been something horrific happen. They bring in service dogs all the time. So, so let's talk about that because obviously you need to adopt a puppy because it's good for your health. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the rescued puppies and adopted puppies that maybe are from litters that come from a dog, maybe that was pregnant on the streets or, or puppies that uh, perhaps are brought to the shelter because the people who uh, had bought them maybe no longer want them or what have you, versus a puppy that would be purchased from a breeder or a, a dog store. What, what is the difference? Or is there a difference pe- that people should be aware of where their puppy comes from?
3: Well, there's, there's pros and cons to everything in life, Right. And when you're buying from a breeder, yes, you know the lineage and you get a sense of, again, if it's a reputable breeder, um, a sense of the dog's lineage. And that's, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. But there's no guarantees from a dog that comes from a breeder that they're going to be any healthier um, and that they're not going to also have a screw loose. Because I've met plenty of dogs from breeders who have a screw loose. Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, and and conversely, you know, yes, people are concerned about adopting a puppy or a dog from a shelter because they think that there, there's something wrong with them, and that's why they're in the shelter. But there are so many reasons why these dogs wound up in the shelter in the first place. It could have been financial. It could have been there were, could have been a death in the family, and there was nobody to care for the dog. Maybe the dog escaped. There's there's a gazillion reasons why dogs wind up in shelters, and why they're available for adoption. And so ultimately, yeah, you could get a dog from the shelter that's got a screw loose. I've seen that too. But majority of the time, especially with puppies, they're just like happy-go-lucky, really sweet, and just need a home. And they unfortunately found themselves in this situation. One of my dogs was picked up as a puppy running in the streets and, you know, I don't know where, somewhere out in California. And it's just like, why was this little puppy there? It's just Mm -hmm. so sad.
2: Yeah. And I, I, why too, I got a puppy from a situation from, you know, that, that happened that it wasn't the best start to her life, but she's an amazing dog. And if I had judged it just on the fact that, oh gosh, she, she had a rough start. Then I would have missed out on having this amazing dog in my life for sure. And that,
3: and that's how my very first dog came to be. Um, We were ready to go to a breeder and at the, 11th hour, a friend found a puppy um, on a, a field and brought him home. The dog had a collar on that was too tight. And he called us and he said, You guys are thinking about getting a dog. Why don't you kick this one? And you should have seen my body language. I was like, No way. I don't. My husband went and looked. He brought the puppy home. I took one look at this puppy. And I fell in love and it completely changed my whole outlook on what it means to adopt a dog. It was 22 years ago and it set me on a whole path.
2: Yeah. Okay. So let's say you're planning on bringing that new puppy home. Uh, maybe you visited the local humane society mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know, you were looking for a pet rabbit, but accidentally came home with a puppy. It could happen. Uh, <laughs> and, but now you're like, okay, what do I do? And immediately, most of us nowadays, we're going to go to the internet to find, you know, mm-hmm. that what to do, you know, Dr. Google is going to answer all of our questions, but there's not a uh, really a good way to know what's reputable, what's research based. And there's a ton of information out there. So how does a new dog pick Parent uh, discern what they should believe and what they should use out there on the internet?
3: Great question, and I would direct anybody and everybody to adopt a pet.com. It's a wonderful database where people can find a dog, usually a breed that they want, and um, they're in a local shelter, and it's a great database. But they have this great thing called the Puppy Manual, and these people have the so much experience and so much research and so they've put together this wonderful manual and it's free to download. And that's where I would go on the Internet, for starters, if I had a puppy.
2: Awesome. And, and tell us also, too, because I mean, so I want to get down into because folks that are at home, they love hearing about stuff. You know, the geeky, the techie, the things that we can bring in to help us because we're always looking for those gadgets, those apps, those products that are going to help us. And so talk to us about those things that you really like, those essential things. Maybe they're geeky, maybe they're not, but that you got to have on hand with a new puppy.
3: Well, um, one thing I would say to avoid is a retractable leash. They kind of look cool because they can get long and then they can get short um, but they're really, really dangerous. So just a plain old six-foot leash that's sturdy, I recommend. So that's a gadget that I would avoid.
2: Talk a little bit more about that too. I want, I want to make sure because there might be people listening to this that maybe are always cat owners, and they don't understand why the retractable leash is dangerous. Why is it dangerous?
3: Dogs can go off really fast, and they can get caught in traffic. They can get, um, they can get knotted around a person, or if they go away from you too quickly. Um, perhaps they will find another dog and get into a fight before you can pull the leash back. It, it's they just You don't have control over your dog if they're out 20 feet. If they're within six feet of you, you have control of your dog. And you want to be safe. You want your dog to stay safe. And you want everybody around you to stay safe. So Right. Big no-no for those retractables. I agree.
2: And, and also just from having used them in the past, every now and then you have this, then when they go off really quick, you have this you know, instinct to go and grab the cord mm-hmm. to stop mm-hmm. it and it will cut you.
3: <laughs> yes. People get really hurt from you. Yeah. These. They're,
2: they're harmful for people too. Okay. What else? What else is important to have on hand with a new puppy or not well, to have on hand?
3: Well, you know, there's always the basics, you know, you want to have the leash and the collar and, and the tags. And, you know, just as a reminder that there's different kinds of tags, um, there's, there, first of all, there's good quality tags, and then there's not so good quality tags. But of course, Pet Hubs tag is the best, because it's now your, your puppy is in a database, if something happens, they can help you lickety-split get your dog home and dogs get out, you know, and, and there's the human element to this too, because the gardener leaves the gate open. You turn around for a second, puppies get out. And you want to be able to get your dog back as fast as possible. So you want them microchipped and you want them in a database like Pet Hub. So that's really important. Um, another one is there's a great product. Um, it's a, a car seat for, um, it's called Pup Saver. And it's a car seat for dogs. And there's a few different sizes. And they go up to, this particular company has them up to 45 pounds. Um, But it's a great thing that was just really on the market as of the past couple of years. Highly recommend either a harness for bigger dogs. And get them belted in or Pup Saver has a great, great product. So I highly recommend that.
2: Yeah, and that's super important. I love that you brought up that car safety part with puppies in particular because once they're older and they're a little trained and, and they they're used to riding in the car, that's one thing. But a puppy, they're like all over you in the car yeah. and that's dangerous.
3: It's dangerous, yeah. Yeah,
2: and so training from the very beginning, training them either if they're in the crate in the back of the car or in a pup saver harness type of thing, training them from the beginning of when you're in the car, you're secured and you're still is huge.
3: Yeah, yeah. But even the crate in the back of the car, you know, God forbid you're in an accident, mm-hmm. crate goes forward, somebody could get seriously injured. So highly recommend securing the dog into, you know, like you would a human, because you want to keep everybody safe. You, you fall in love with these pets so quickly, and you wouldn't want anything to happen to them. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Okay, what, what other things are out there that you, you say must have?
3: Well, you know, in the olden days, we would just use newspaper or a little plastic bag to scoop poop. And honestly, you got to scoop poop in most neighborhoods anyway. And, you know, at our local um, supermarkets, we can't even get Plastic bags anymore. They're outlawed. So you don't want to use them anyway because they're not biodegradable. So there's a couple of companies that have some really good biodegradable poop bags. One that I like is earth-rated and they've got some lavender scent. So it kind of um, diffuses a little bit the, the poop scent. And then the other one that I really like is biobag. It's a little bit bigger, it's a little bit sturdier, and it's gonna bio, it's gonna degrade. So it's, it's better for the environment, and you're using them a lot. So you want to make sure that you're not only doing the right thing by your neighbors and scooping the poop, but also doing the right thing by... Um, you know, by the environment as well. Yeah,
2: that is, I think for new pet parents, new dog parents, that is one of those rude awakenings that yes, you will be stooping to pick up warm poop all (laughs) the time. It is like one of those things of like, I had no idea I had to do this. Are you kidding me? Uh, And I will also say too, have those little bags, those little roll of poop bags everywhere. Because you never know when you might need one in your yeah. car, yeah, next yeah. to the back door, next to the front door, all over the place, for sure. And you can even get um, some really cool little clip-on holders. I have one that's shaped like a bone on my dog's um, leash, so it's always with me.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. What else? Um, well, I, in terms of food and treats, What's really important to me is really high quality and possibly even organic because you want to consider the dog's health and you also want to consider the source where it's coming from. Um, So, again, it's the environment that we're considering here. It's not just what's the cheapest way we can feed this new dog? No, they're a part of your family and you want to consider everybody's health all the way up and down the food chain. So I, I highly recommend whatever you figure out your budget, Budget and buy the best quality food that you can within your budget.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and also go back and listen to our The Science of Pet Food uh, episode because we talk all about how to read those labels. Yes,
3: yes, <laughs> yes. Another, another great gadget, which I, I don't know, I think you know them, um, is the iFetch toy. Yes. And, yes. And it's a great toy that that wings a a ball out and then your puppy can go retrieve it. So when you've just had enough throwing the ball to that puppy, you can get them playing with the iFetch toy. And it's a really cool gadgety toy. And I love that one, too.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely one of our favorite. It's a geeky toy, but it's also just a fantastic toy in general. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Diane is really terrific talking to you. But make sure too that folks know where they can get your new book.
3: Well, the best place is Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or IndieBound.com. So you can search for it at a local bookstore.
2: Awesome. And the book is What to Expect When Expecting a Dog.
3: Yep, what to expect when adopting a dog. Yep.
2: Adopting a dog. Yep. I don't think any of us are expecting to have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a baby. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining My us, pleasure. Diane. It was really Thank terrific you. having you. Hang tight, everyone. In just a moment, we will be back to talk to the preventive vet about setting up your new puppy for premium health. We'll be right back on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.
6: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors, but we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the show, pet lovers. National Puppy Day is just around the con- corner, so today it is all about puppies. Now, we've heard some great essential items that you need to have in your home when you bring that new puppy into the family. But now we're going to talk to Dr. Jason Nicholas about setting your puppy up for great health and and safety. Uh, you might remember J- Dr. Jason, he's uh, the has the great blog preventivevet.com. It's one of my favorite websites and it is a go-to resource for all pet parents. And he also has an incredible new book. It's 101 Essential Tips for Puppies and New Dogs and it's perfect for today's show. So Dr. Jason, welcome to the show.
7: Hey, Lorian. thanks for having me back.
2: Absolutely. I'm tr- I'm so excited to have you back. Um and I want to start with setting your peppy up for good health. So let's talk about vaccinations. Uh, give us the lowdown on shots because it's something that's in the news a lot. Vaccinations are talked about all the time, especially on social media. So give us the lowdown on that.
7: Yeah, so, so vaccines are, are really super important. I mean, they are truly one of the most uh, important medical advances in, in modern times. Um, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, vets been, who are practicing 40, 50 years ago and such, they used to see a ton of cases of distemper um, and you know mar- far more cases of parvovirus and, and even more rabies, and in certainly in certain parts of the of the world, rabies is still um, endemic and causing problems and deaths in people we don 't really suffer from that too much here in the states mm-hmm. because of vaccines. Um, you know everybody talks about we don 't see these conditions, and it is solely because of vaccines and and hygiene so mm-hmm. vaccines are super important. The very important thing to realize, especially in puppies, is that They typically need multiple vaccines, so an initial shot, if you will, and then a series of booster shots. Um, And that's because that first shot, we don't know how much maternal immunity that puppy has gotten from his mom, how much colostrum the puppy um, got access to, and that depends on how many other pups were in the litter, um, how well vaccinated mom was, and a variety of other factors. Mm -hmm. So we want to give that first vaccine typically – Um, around six to eight weeks old, and ideally with your veterinarian, um, although some dogs will come with that already having been given by the breeder or the shelter, depending on where they were obtained from. Mm -hmm. So we start them at about sort of six to eight weeks, and then we go every three to four weeks after that with boosters. And we really want, for most of those boosters, their final puppy shots, so the final ones in the puppy series, not their final ones of their life, but the final ones of their puppy series typically should end around 16 weeks of age. Um, and that's because that immunity that they've gotten from their mom starts to wane, starts to diminish, and is no longer interfering with the vaccines. And the puppy's immune system itself is growing and maturing and able to respond appropriately to those vaccines. We just never know when that balance is going to be struck because every puppy is an individual.
2: Mm-hmm. And so that- we've... Yeah, isn't there like a time period, too, where you don't want to expose them to dogs outside of their own litter and home?
7: Um, correct. I mean, you know, we are, those, those um, timelines have been relaxed a bit from the standpoint of, um, you know, communicable or infectious disease versus behavioral problems. And behavioral problems are probably the number one reason why dogs um, are relinquished to shelters or abandoned or, you know, relegated to the outside or even euthanized. And so what we now know, I mean, the science is very clear that a puppy's socialization period, a really crucial socialization period, kind of goes up to around sort of 12 to 14 weeks of age. Mm-hmm. And okay. so the old thinking used to be that, you know, puppies should never be around other dogs. They shouldn't be going to socialization or puppy classes or anything like that until they're fully vaccinated, so around 16 weeks of age. But then we actually were missing all these really crucial socialization periods, and we were actually having more dogs, older dogs, with behavioral issues um, that were devastating. Mm -hmm. So now, and even the uh, um, uh, ABSAB, American Veterinary Society of Animal Behavior, uh, um, has released a position statement even a couple years back, saying that puppies, as long as they are healthy, um, showing no signs of disease, as long as they have had their first vaccinations and that's typically the distemper parvo combination the dhpp Mm -hmm. um, plus or minus a bordetella and their first deworming from the veterinarian around sort of eight weeks old about a week after that nine weeks old they should be going to puppy socialization classes so it's not a free-for-all in terms of they're meeting every dog on the street and definitely no dog parks until they are fully vaccinated and i would say typically at least 17 weeks from a health standpoint for dog parks uh, and things of that nature. Um, but for puppy socialization classes, typically, if your pup has gotten their, their vaccines, their dewormer, and they have been given a clean bill of health from your veterinarian, typically at around nine weeks old, they should be starting socialization classes at a place that is reputable, runs them right from a behavioral standpoint, is clean, and insists on every puppy that's participating having met those same uh, milestones.
2: So about two months, about two months then.
7: Around two months or so. um, And about a week after that first vaccine. But there's tons of socialization you could do at home, but that's a whole other topic.
2: Right, right. So so then are there any vaccinations that, you know, that are kind of like, I don't know, uh, not necessary or, or depending on where you live, you don't have to worry about them as a puppy. I know that when, we, when dogs get a little bit older, there are some things that you might get for rattlesnake and things like that. But are, yep. as a puppy, are there some that are like, eh, you don't have to do this one, but you, you could? Yeah. Sh-
7: so, so in the profession, we typically refer to them as core. So every dog should get it regardless of their lifestyle or geographic location or things of that nature. And then non-core. And so the core ones are, you know, as I mentioned before, the distemper um, hepatitis combination is kind of the main one. Uh, And then we also, obviously, rabies is is core um, because that's a human health concern as well. The ones that kind of depend on lifestyle and age and what their activities are going to be and a a variety of other factors um, typically are things like uh, leptospirosis, which is a nasty bacterial condition that can really devastatingly affect the liver and the kidneys and can also affect people. Lyme disease again, depending on where you live and the time of year, Uh, and then and then dog flu, canine influenza. um, Vaccine is available. There's there's a couple different ones, Um, and that really depends on lifestyle and whether or not the virus or the viruses are endemic in your area. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even to a degree, bordetella. You know, depending on what kind of classes they're going to. You know, it's classically called kennel cough, but it doesn't just happen in kennels. It's you know, if they're going grooming, if they're going to um, dog daycare if they're going to be going to socialization classes. So
2: and a lot really of those just, places will require Bordetella if you bring in Typically.
7: Dog. Yeah, yeah, typically. And so, you know, really, I mean, this is a conversation. I know, I know there's been a lot of panning on social media um, at, after a video out of Connecticut with, um, with vaccinations. But these are really conversations that people should be having with their veterinarian, and they should be having a really, you know, in-depth conversation about what their puppy needs. Um, because because these are devastating diseases that we're trying to prevent and they don't just affect your puppy, they affect all the puppies and all the other dogs around and some of them also affect you and the, and the other humans in your home and in your neighborhood.
2: Right, oh, that's, it's really important and so, and I want to also say that we're going to provide a link to a really great post that you have on your blog that covers all of that really great stuff. Oh, it'll, great. Be, it'll be part of our Rewind blog that'll be on uh, PetLoverGeek.com in a couple of days. Now let's switch gears just a little bit. Let's talk about puppy proofing your house. It is just as important as baby proofing, but it's totally different. Yeah. And, 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 and those little suckers can get into anything as oh, yeah. m- my, my shoes can attest. Yeah. So let's talk about those, those 10 puppy proofing things you need to do.
7: So, I mean, really one of the biggest things is any bag and whether it's a gym bag, a purse, uh, you know, any bag, backpack, kids' backpack, ideally when you walk in the door, don't put it on the ground. Don't put it on the back of the doorknob. Don't, put it on a chair or a sofa, hang it on a coat hook um, or a coat rack or in a closet. The things that we carry around in our bags without even thinking about it, um, a lot of them are, can be very devastating for our, for our pets and puppies in particular and, and you know, uh, dogs with separation anxiety or, and labs because they just eat everything. Um, you know, they get into our bags and there's any, you know, medications, whether they be prescription medications or over-the-counter pain mm-hmm. medications um or you know, uh asthma inhalers or cigarettes or, you know, I live in Oregon, uh, you know, and you guys are up in Washington, you know, marijuana is getting mm-hmm. uh, more and more legal. So the things that we have in or our bag Chewing gum. Chewing gum, yeah, xylitol and 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 sugarless mints and even you know, it's amazing. Even um car key fobs, you know, that that unlock oh, yeah. your car. Those batteries, those button batteries can cause really significant burns in a dog's esophagus that can wind up needing surgery or even not be surgically repairable. Oh, gosh. Um, so, you know, by hanging your bag, you just prevent so many things um, that can be expensive, devastating, potentially fatal. So it's that one simple step. Um, also, when you're dispensing medications or supplements, whether they be yours or your child's or your even your pets, always do it over a sink or a bowl or the toilet or the tub. I mean, typically we're doing this in the kitchen or the bathroom Mm -hmm. and all of those, both of those places have a sink, uh, you know, or at least a tub or a toilet. And that way, if more than what you're trying to dump out falls out and comes out of your hands, it falls into a confined space where your dog is definitely not going to be able to get it. Um, because if it hits the floor, odds are good. Even if it's a medication you try and give them and struggle on a daily basis, they're probably going to gobble it up because it's their opportunity and they'll kind of, you know, ask questions later. Um, (laughs) So, and and having a safe space set up for your dog, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people aren't super keen on crate training, but crate training can actually be a really uh, effective um, safety um, thing to do for your dog. And it's also very comforting for most of them. And it makes travel with them or if they ever have to go to the hospital much better. But even if it's just something about kind of putting up baby gates to restrict them or an exercise pen to one particular part of the house, So they can't get into things because dogs have chewed on electric cords and power cords even from laptop computers and gotten a really nasty shock, which doesn't just cause burns in their mouth, but actually can cause a condition called non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema, which is where they get fluid in their lungs and they can get seizures as well. So just what you want to do is kind of go around your house at the level of your dog or your puppy. Uh, We've got, you know, the article on the site and uh, and in our book, we talk about some tips for puppy proofing your house because it's not intuitive because even when we think of our children, our babies, they're typically not as mischievous as dogs. Mm -hmm. Some are, Um, but but it's nice to have a guide to know because there really are so many things, you know, from the trash cans to preventing counter surfing of dogs getting up on countertops, um, you know. Even for for um, people with hearing aids, you know, and maybe they leave them on the nightstand in the middle of the night. Those also have those little button batteries and they're covered in earwax. And dogs, that's almost a delicacy for dogs.
2: Well, yeah, and anything that they can chew up. I mean, I have a friend who spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars for dog's chew that dog that was, puppy was chewing up socks. So yeah. e- <laughs> even and had like I think she said there was 12 socks removed from this labs puppy labs stomach, which is incredible yeah. to me. So I Yeah. Feel like-
7: Where's, where's the joy in that you would think (laughs) they're just, they're happy to do it.
2: Well, and then the other thing, and what you mentioned, you know, like with covering up like garbage cans and stuff like that, um, because one of the things that I didn't realize until I was reading your blog were you know, bags that we get our food in. So like a Doritos bag or something like that you throw in the trash can, but those bags can be very dangerous, especially for a puppy.
7: Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've gotten a lot of reports of um, dogs and cats and we've seen even wildlife suffocate in, in food bags. So whether it be chip bags, like, you know, Fritos, Doritos, pretzels, you know, popcorn bags, but also um, treat bags for cats and dogs and food bags. And so we're really talking mostly about those kind of Mylar type bags. Mm -hmm. Um, And dogs are, they're grabbing them, you know, off of count of, of uh, coffee tables and couches, you know, when people are sitting around watching TV and then fall asleep, um, you know, sometimes they're waking up to their dog struggling to get this bag off of their head, or sometimes they're waking up to a dog that's expired because they suffocate. You know, it can take about just like three to five minutes. Uh-huh. We've heard from numerous people who have come home and their dog has never had a problem with b- this before and getting into the trash, and they just did it once. And then they would realize something's wrong when their dog doesn't greet them at the door. And lo and behold, they're behind the, you know, the, the couch, clear signs of struggling. And they just couldn't get a bag off their head. And this is happening, you know, when we first started talking about it, um, people were were saying, well, it's just a small dog problem because, you know, they don't have the strength to pull it off. We're talking labs, pit bulls, you know, huge dogs. It doesn't matter. They don't have opposable thumbs. uh, And when they get their head in there to eat the crumbs or lick off the salt and the fat and stuff, uh, it just creates a vacuum seal that's too tight and they can't get it off.
2: And, and even uh, with, like, with uh, peanut butter jars, there's a very funny yep. picture out there of a, of a little dog yeah. in a peanut butter jar, but I look at it and I think it's horrible.
7: Yeah, we've, we, we've heard <laughs> of dogs suffocating um, in, in plastic jars like that. You know, and so with, with, the, with the bags and stuff, it really is as simple as just cutting. You know, We already open at the top, cut along the bottom and cut up the side so it's a flat sheet, and you will protect your dogs, your cats, your neighborhood pets, and then also wildlife. It's just like cutting the six-pack rings on you know, on, on soda cans and beer six pack holders, we were all taught to cut those to help save sea life and turtles and such. Um, you know, we should be doing the same thing with our bags um, to help protect pets and wildlife.
2: That's such a great tip. And, and also just cover the trash can. Don't have an yeah. open trash can ever. It's too tempting. It really is. One other thing that I want to mention, we don't have much time, but I want to mention real quick, uh, Sago, uh, Sago palms. Is that what yeah. they're called? Yeah. Yep, those... Sago.
7: Yeah. So Sago is another cycad palm. They're, I mean, they're beautiful trees, uh, and they're really prevalent in sort of the southwest western part of the United States in, in landscaping. Um, these things are highly, highly toxic to dogs and also to cats. Um, and it's just sort of like chewing at the, at the, at the nut, at the bark, um, any bit like as people are pruning them, if the dog gets into it, they can cause liver failure and really quite devastating liver failure. I mm-hmm. say they're common in the southwestern part of the United States, but even up here in the Pacific Northwest, you can find them in home goods stores, Uh, and home improvement stores as indoor plants.
2: Right. So keep an eye on what plants you've got in your house for sure. And we're unfortunately out of time, but I want to make sure that we remind folks that if they go to your website uh, at preventivevet.com, they purchase your new book, 101 Essential Tips for Puppies and New Dogs. They can use the coupon code PLG20 and get 20% off. That's right?
7: Yep. And on preventivevet.com, there's just a little link there that says our bookstore. Click that. It'll take you right to the store. And yeah. uh, Yeah.
2: Good stuff, and I mean the the book itself is only nine ninety five, so you save almost two bucks. I mean, you'd be crazy not to take advantage of this. But you offer. save an
7: awful lot more than that in, yeah. in emergency room costs. And I've seen it; I've seen it all. And these are, you know, there's real life stories in there that people will just are eye opening, and that's the point.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Doctor Jason. I hope to have you back on the show really soon.
7: Sounds good, Lori, and take care.
2: Will do. Sit, stay, and be good, folks, because in just a minute, we'll be back with a big treat. I'll be chatting with one of America's top dog trainers about the do's and don'ts of training a new puppy. Fun stuff ahead on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.
4: Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Seventh Wave Network.
5: Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at one 472 5788 Again, that's one 472 5788 Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back, my fellow pet-loving geeks. Today, we are all about pet puppies. You know, puppies are pretty much the most wonderful thing on the planet. And I think that they are a cure-all for anything that ills you. But... They can also become a royal pain in the you-know-what if they are not properly trained, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So to help us navigate this topic, I've invited Robin Bennett to join us today. Robin is a certified professional dog trainer, and she is one of the most highly respected dog behaviors out there. So Robin, thank you so much for coming to the show.
6: You are welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks.
2: All right. I want to just dig on in. When should you start training that new puppy?
6: I would start training your new puppy the second you get that puppy home. So we have a saying that when you and your puppy are together, one of you is always learning We would like that to be the puppy, but sometimes it is us learning. But puppies are little sponges. They can be trained immediately. They're amazingly quick at learning. So I would start as soon as you bring that puppy home.
2: It's kind of like a baby. I mean, you know, when you bring a baby home, everything that they see and experience is is, is a data point for them that they're taking in and they're learning how to manipulate the world around them, which is truly what puppies are doing too. So like you said, we hope that you're not the one being trained from the beginning. Exactly. Now, so, but let's, we're talking mostly about new pet parents, people that have never had a puppy or a dog before, and there's a lot out there. I mean, there's so much out there. So what are the most important things to do to start?
6: I would say the two biggest things, I guess I'll say three biggest things when you first bring your puppy home, those first couple of weeks, the critical period for that puppy to be learning are house training because They really need to learn where to go to the bathroom. And by house training, I do recommend using a crate. So at the same time, you're getting them used to being in a crate, which will pay huge dividends later when you have to take them anywhere and they might have to be isolated or crated for any reason. And the crate also helps them to hold their bladder. So you're actually encouraging them to hold it by crate training them as well so house training is one socialization is the next and that is just getting the puppy in a positive manner exposed to as many things that they're going to see in their life as possible because this is the best time to do it when they're under four months they really kind of view their whole world based on the first four months of their life so you want to expose them to things in a safe way and in a way that is um under your vet's guidance because they you don't want to take them out too many places until they have their shots. But there's a lot of stuff you can do just to expose them to things like the hairdryer and, you know, rattling noises in the kitchen and all the different people that they're going to potentially meet at your house. So those mm-hmm. kinds of things you can mm-hmm. start doing. And the last thing is really um, bite inhibition or what we commonly refer to as teaching them the right things that they can chew on and the things that we don't want them to chew on, mainly our hands and our feet and our clothes. So teaching them what's appropriate to play with and chew on and what's not. And that's, they're like babies. Like you said, they're putting everything in their mouth. So we really have to help direct them to the right things that are appropriate for them.
2: I'm so glad that you mentioned like introducing them to different things because one of the things that I had, I had a roommate that had a puppy and she carried that puppy everywhere and even when she took him outside she would carry him outside put him in the in the grass and then carry him back inside and then after a little while when she was trying to get him to go out on his own he was terrified of the concrete that he had to walk over to get to the grass and it was because she hadn't introduced him to it.
6: Right. Exactly. And there is it's it's a calculated risk as to what you want to expose them to when they're young and they haven't had all their vaccines. But I would say that more dogs are in trouble later in life and possibly um, don't stay with their families more because of behavior problems than because they get sick from being exposed too early to something before they had their vaccines. So I wouldn't take your dog. Before it has its shots, I wouldn't take it to a dog park. I wouldn't take it to a pet store. Mm-hmm. But I would certainly take it out in front of your house, and I would have people over to greet it, and I would definitely let it walk around as much as it can because it does need to ex- get used to all of those different feel- feeling of things under their feet.
2: Yeah, I I going up and up, down things and all right. sorts of stuff.
6: Exactly. And I put a lot of stuff just in my dog's way so that it gets used to different textures and different Um, feeling of things on its paws I put down tarps I have them walk over PVC I have them walk on the picnic table so everything
2: becomes a fun obstacle for my puppy Awesome. And, and, let's, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, um, just the approach to take. And let's talk a little bit about training philosophies. There's, there's several that are out there. If you search the web, or, you know, training my puppy, you're going to find a ton of different things, but they're not equally effective and they're not all even safe for that matter. So according to the best research that is out there, what's the best training approach and what maybe should people absolutely avoid? Well, I would absolutely
6: avoid anything that scares or intimidates your puppy. So I would base everything based on the science of how dogs learn, which is – by having positive associations, dogs learn everything by association. So we could scare the living daylights out of them, and they will learn to leave something alone. But that's not really effective. I would rather take them and show them through positive associations that things are fun, things are happy, things cause treats to happen, things cause people to pet them. So you want to use what I would consider force-free methods. So I don't like to do anything that's going to hurt the puppy. I don't like I like redirecting their um, behavior as opposed to punishing their behavior and really setting them up for success right from the start because again, they're little babies at this age. The last thing we want to do is scare them or um, terrify them about something. And that sometimes that can happen by accident. So we don't want to rush things. We want to take it take it kind of slow and really get a view of that dog's body language. I think it's so critical to learn about a dog's body language and what's they're saying because they can't speak to us, but they are actually talking to us all the time through their bodies. And I will give you some resources for that when we get to that point as well.
2: We'll get to those resources in just a bit, but I want to ask you about something else real quick because it popped into my head when you were talking about being positive and, and not being uh, you know not putting a negative, scary influence on them. There's a command that, that my husband and I use with both of our dogs. It was one of the first things that we taught them because we live out in the woods, you know, and there's a lot of stuff, frankly, that we don't want them to get involved with. So we train them with the command, leave it. Um, and they're great at it now, but it feels kind of negative. So what would you recommend for a puppy for those type of commands that you want them to you know, not do something?
6: Well, you know what? I actually do teach leave it. And for my puppy, it means leave whatever you're looking at or going towards because I have something about 100 times better than what you might want. So I actually teach leave it in a way that I hold something in my hand and I let, show it to the dog. And it's usually some kind of a treat. And my dog will want it, obviously. And I just wait them out. And usually they go through a series of frustrating, like pawing at me or sniffing my hand or pushing my hand with their nose. And finally, they just go like, oh, my gosh, I can't get it. And they'll take a step back. And as soon as they take a step back, I open my hand and I say, take it. And then once they start backing up, I just add the word leave it. So leave it starts to mean back away from that. And then you get something better. Oh, that's so, the, genius. Yeah. You, so the leave it command, because I think it's one of the best commands to, for a dog, because ultimately there are going to be things you're going to want them to leave alone.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think for us, what we usually did was as soon as they turn, as soon as they turned away from whatever it was we wanted them to leave, we had a treat in our hand right away so that they were like, oh, when I turn away from that thing, I get something awesome. So I think it's it, kind of a similar approach. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about resources. You have got some tremendous resources that are out there for pet parents. So let's dig into some of those.
6: Well, the one I was just mentioning a second ago is all about body language. I feel like if, the, if you could do anything for your dog, the best thing you could do is go out and just learn canine body language so that you can learn a few simple ways that they're telling you how they feel. And there's a great app that you can download called Dog Decoder. And it shows in great pictures and um, comical kind of things how you can read a dog's body language. So that's a great app. That's just fun. You can take little quizzes on there, and you can learn about body language on there. Um, great, great resource. The other one that I would recommend is um, if you, when your dog does get older and you do start going to dog parks, is a Sue Sternberg's Dog Park Assistant. That's another great app. Mm -hmm. and that one also talks about body language and it talks about when you know when your dog should be playing with another another dog and when you know you maybe it's time for you to go home and so this is great if you're going to have your friend's dogs come over or if you're going to take your dog somewhere and they're going to encounter other dogs it'll show you kind of your dog's play style and Mm -hmm. what might be the best match for your particular dog so that's another terrific resource that I would check out online as well on you can download that
2: Awesome. I want to talk to you specifically, too. You have a wonderful new training program specifically for puppies. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
6: I do. I recently got my own little puppy who's nearly six months now. And I did a program week by week. I did um, quick videos to show you during stages of development what things you need to be doing with your own puppy. So it's called Raising Your Puppy of the video guide from eight weeks to six months. And it's going to take everybody through all the things they should be doing. So it, I want it to partner with a trainer that you might be going to, but this is going to be all those things at home that happen at home that you don't necessarily always hear about in training class. I literally just had my phone with me, and when my puppy would start doing things, I'd just turn the phone on and go, okay, here's what he's doing, and here's how you handle this. So, it's very informal. My, you know, house is a mess most of the time when the video's there, but it's very much real life. And I also kept the videos super short. So, there's anywhere from four to six videos a week, but they're about three minutes or less so I designed it so that you could quickly get on there watch the video and then hopefully apply it with your own puppy and it's all week by week with little checklists for what to do each week based on your dog's development so hopefully you can check that out as well it's a great resource for when you bring your puppy home
2: so it's like a subscription type of thing that people would do online
6: this is actually a course it's a one one one-time fee it's $99 and you log in you have access for three months to the entire thing and I have two more weeks left to do because then my puppy will be six months old. But you can start at eight weeks and just go week by week. Or there's a list of every video. So if you just are like, oh, I forgot how to, you know, deal with biting, you can just go on there and find that video.
2: Awesome. And how? where do they find that online?
6: It's my at my website at robinkbennett.com. So R-O-B-I-N, the letter K, and then B-E-N-N-E-T-T dot com forward slash puppy. And I awesome. think I said it was available for three months. It's actually available for three years.
2: Oh, three years. Good. Well, that's okay. good too, because I can imagine that there's some things that like, you know, he might be eight months old and he's gone back to, you know, a little bit of regression and you want to like say, how am I supposed to do that again? I can't remember how to do that.
6: Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great because you can refer back to it at any time. And this stuff it's, that it's teaching is good for puppies of any age, but it's specifically geared towards those new puppies Mm-hmm. The other thing I will say for puppy owners is there's a, another great app, and this um, there is a fee for this app, but it's called Whisker Docs, and I actually joined this um, last year as a way of you know those times when something happens at home and you're just like should I take my dog to the vet or should I not take my dog to the vet mm-hmm. and a cool- and ever ask those questions because the vet will always just tell you to come in. It's kind of an online, and it's run by veterinarians, but it's an online service where you can call and say like, hey, this is what's going on, and they will give you veterinary advice. They will tell you if you need to go to the vet, but they can also answer some of those questions because they have time to do it that your veterinarian's office doesn't always have time to do it. They will also send records to your vet's office if they do talk to you and or you're just wondering what you should do, and they give you some advice. They will send all of that to your vet's office so they work in conjunction with your vet but I found that to be really helpful for those just things that you're like his mouth is bleeding is that normal and you know
2: no he just lost a baby tooth you know it's no big deal kind of thing. Oh, that's a great one. And that's also, I've got to imagine, being a tremendous resource for people that are on the road that maybe don't know, okay, should I go try to find a veterinarian? We're, we're in the middle of nowhere, don't know this place at all. That seems exactly. like a great resource. That's terrific. That's think- actually why.
6: Yeah, that's exactly why I signed up last year, just as kind of a, a quick reference point if we were traveling, because we travel in our RV quite a bit. Right,
2: right, right. That's a great geeky thing. Now, I want to real quick, as we wrap things up here, um, You mentioned earlier, you want to make sure that people are using these resources in conjunction with a real life physical trainer, because Mm -hmm. as much as us geeks would love to do everything on a computer and our phones, real life is a little bit different (laughs) and having that person there to help you train is important. So what should people look for when they're looking for either a training class to take their dog to or a trainer to work with?
6: I would tell them to look for someone that is using force-free positive reinforcement methods. Generally speaking, I would look for somebody that is um, a member belongs to some association and is getting some continuing education. Cause that usually shows that they're committed to learning and staying up to date with some of the latest things. You can check out a trainer search at, at the association of professional dog trainers. So that's APDT.com. We actually just redid our website. So it looks wonderful. Um, So, APDT.com. And when you go in there and search, you'll find a wide range of trainers. So, again, I would search and look for somebody that's using positive reinforcement methods and force-free training methods and just talk to them, kind of make sure that what they're doing is going to fit your philosophy for training, which hopefully is positive training.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today, Robin. Really appreciate it.
6: You're welcome. It was wonderful.
2: And I want to thank my other guests today, Diane Rose Solomon and Dr. Jason Nicholas for joining us to talk all about puppies to celebrate National Puppy Day. Make sure that you check out National Puppy Day post that we're going to have on petlovergeek.com. It'll be on Tuesday the 23rd that we have that on there. We're going to have links to all these really great resources that you heard about today and we'll have some other really cool stuff too, some other stuff that we we really like to to think of when it comes to puppies. And make sure that you join us next week because We're going to dig into safety testing for pet products. It's really fascinating, and it's super-duper important. We're going to meet the founder of the Center for Pet Safety, and we're also going to talk to a few of the products that have been through that rigorous training procedure and have actually earned the CPS seal of approval. It's super cool stuff. So next week... Join us, and until then, give those puppies and those kittens a cuddle from me, and we'll see you back here next Saturday on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel.
1: Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek.